You know, as we come into Thanksgiving week, um, you know, Wednesday night, for those that were here on Wednesday night, we looked at reasons to give thanks to God. We looked at a number of psalms. We looked at reasons why we give thanks to God. We give thanks to God because of his deliverance, uh, that uh, he has delivered us from the bondage and the penalty of sin. He's delivered us from the wages of death. Uh, we are to give thanks to God because of his holiness, uh, his righteousness, his righteous judgments, his goodness and his mercy. Uh, there's lots of reasons why we give thanks to God, and all of them good, are they not? And that's often what we focus on. In fact, sometimes we struggle uh, giving thanks because we can't think of anything big enough, good enough, that it's worth publicly sharing of God's goodness to me. I, it's got to be something that, that reaches a certain plateau and category before I can publicly rejoice and thank God for it. And then there's a whole long category of things that we would struggle to give God thanks for. You know, as Christians, when um, you know, when I was in Bible college, they had a, a poster that uh, you know showing somebody free climbing up a, the face of a cliff with little tiny handholds, saying God never promised an easy path. But yet, when we get saved uh, as Christians, you know, oftentimes because we've been born again, because of God's deliverance, uh, we expect almost require that if I'm going to follow Christ, well, and he's going to, he's going to pave the way uh, that I expect there to be a smooth pavement. I expect there to be an easy way. I don't, I don't expect to have to go through any, any briars or thorns or anything difficult. We want God's blessing, but we want it without difficulty we want it without discouragement. We want it without embarrassment. We want it without sacrifice. We want it without pain. We want it without loss. We want it without disappointment. And when those things come our way, we say, certainly, how could God ever be in that? What is there to give thanks for? If you only knew the year that I've had, some would say. If you've only known the things that I'm facing, many would say, if you'd only know what, uh, what has gone on, uh, you wouldn't be thankful either. Do we not put those categories? Do we not put those uh, stipulations on our level of thankfulness? And as we come into Thanksgiving time, uh, and over and over as we're challenged, uh, to give thanks to reflect on what we have to be thankful for. And immediately we go to anything good. We don't think about it. We, we, we whitewash or we look over uh, the difficulties. Um, you know, I think about, uh, you know, this is the first Thanksgiving that um, after my mom passed away. You know, Thanksgiving was always a difficult time for my mom uh, because of her mom and dad both at differing times passed away during that time of the year and it was always a difficult time 
loved having family around, loved the phone call and, and, and all that went with it. And my mom's not there for a phone call. But I'm thankful for my mom. I'm thankful for the trials uh, that we went through uh, for a variety of reasons. You know, but we are to be thankful for all. Turn over, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Well, what does everything entail? Is there anything that's outside of everything? I mean, everything means what? Does it not mean everything? In everything, because it does, that's exactly what it means. In everything, in every situation, in every circumstance, in everything that you go through, the mountain peaks and the, and the valleys, give thanks. Ephesians 5.20 says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of Jesus. Giving thanks for all things. Well, is there anything outside of all things that we're not required to give thanks for? You know, it's not that we give thanks for bad things, but we should be thankful for God in the midst of these things, thankful for the humbleness and the humility and all that comes with those things. We thank God in all things. 2 Corinthians 9, 15 says, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And that brings us here to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, I'm going to read down probably through half of this here, but let's start at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knows such an one caught up in the third heaven, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell. God knows how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities." For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most, gla most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in the infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong." The Apostle Paul says that he was given uh, the gift to see abundant revelations. He, he was given the ability through God to, to see things that, that nobody else saw. The revelation of God, you know, the Apostle Paul wrote the majority of our New Testament, and, and he could get very puffed up, he's saying, in and of himself. 
And he has all these gifts and abilities that are there. He was being used of God greatly. And as a result of that, he was given the gift of the unthinkable, of the unthankful. I mean, he had so many things to be thankful for. Oh, God shows me all these visions and all these dreams and all these things. And, and through inspiration, he's using me to, to write these, uh, these training manuals for uh, the church age and those that are come to follow. And, but in the midst of it all, he had a difficulty and uncomfortable a thorn in the flesh, as he called it, a physical infirmity that was becoming a distraction. And yet in the midst of it all, he teaches about thankfulness. What we're to be thankful for. How we're to be thankful. You know, it doesn't matter what the thorn was. You know, theologians uh, for... Centuries and decades have tried to figure it out. You know, if it mattered, God would have stated it. If it mattered, it would have been recorded. I believe that He left it vague so that we could apply the same principle to our own difficulties. So we could apply the same principle to those things that are in our lives that are seemingly unthankworthy that are seemingly a distraction, something not to be thankful for, something that uh, removes our, our thanksgiving uh, because there's some awful thing that's come into my life that I should not, cannot be thankful for. But at Thanksgiving, we are to be thankful for all things. We are to be thankful to God in all things. Well, we might not be thankful for the thorn in the flesh, but we're thankful for God's all-sufficient grace. We're thankful for his holiness. We're thankful for his character. We're thankful for his strength, his guidance, his leading, his help. And uh, Paul says there, he says that he received, uh, in verse 7, uh, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. The message of weakness, the message of discouragement, the, fa- the message to take a focus away from God, the message of pain, the message of difficulty. Do we not have things that come into our life that distract us? Distract us from reading the Word? Distract us from focusing on the Word? Distract us from serving in the Word? Distract us from obeying the Word? And our flesh comes up with all sorts of reasons and excuses. Well, yeah, you see those people that are doing well. You see those people that are thankful. You see those people that are happy and content. Well, they're not dealing with what you're dealing with. It's understandable that you don't have the same thankful spirit. But that's not at all what Scripture says. He says to be thankful, have that thankful spirit in all things, in all situations, in all circumstances, because, quite frankly, it's not something that we can control. The messenger of Satan, you know, the messenger of Satan, he delivered the message to Job, did he not? He see, he, that was a battle. Job did not be defeated. He stood strong and firm for God. But who was the messenger that delivered that message of discouragement, that message of defeat, that message of loss, that message of hopelessness, that message to be unthankful? Satan. 
Who came alongside to support Satan's message? His wife. Just curse God and die. The messenger of Satan is going to be delivering happily, joyfully, consistently, with, 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 in a regularity, the message of discouragement, the message of hopelessness. Martin Luther stated, The devil is the Lord's devil. He's on a chain and can only go as far as the Lord allows him to. But he's still a messenger, trying to see us defeated and unthankful. And we're unthankful when our focus is taken off of God, when our focus is on what everyone, everything, everything else goes wrong. To Buffett, uh, <laughs> well, I prefer to pronounce it buffet, uh, but... I've got to stop. I need to go buff it because it means, or truly means to, to beat with a fist. And uh, I need to be beaten with a fist every time I say buffet. Woohoo! No, to buff it, to beat with a fist. And that, as he says, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Paul knew the enemy wanted to beat him down and hinder him from doing the work of the Lord. He knew that's what the message was all about. The, the goal was to take the focus off of God. And he sought, who did he go to? God. He said, I beg, Lord, three times. Let this be removed from me. No, what did he say? My grace is sufficient for you. Jesus, when he, when he prayed, he said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. What was that cup? To die that cruel death to go through that pain and anguish on our behalf and he trusted in the Lord and moved on and we're thankful as a result Paul didn't blame others for his infirmity he didn't blame circumstances you know you know there's folks that are not in church today because they're beaten down there's some of you that are here today in spite of being beaten down. There's some that uh, are beaten down and continue on. There's some that don't know which way to go, what to do, because the message of Satan has come into their lives and they're beaten down. And we get discouraged and hopeless he said, I besought, I prayed, I begged the Lord three times. And the Lord answered his prayer because he said, it says there in verse 9, and he said unto me, that's God's answer to prayer, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Whose weakness? Ours. Because when we are weak in ourselves, that's when we're strong in the Lord. When we are dying to self and taking up our cross daily, we're strong in the Lord as he lives in us and through us. The Lord answered his prayer. He says, my graciousness, my gift, my benefit is sufficient to ward off discouragement, defeat, and all the gamut of emotions that you can and do and will go through. Because he says, 
For my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is completed. My strength is accomplished in frailty. Our frailty. God's strength is manifested when we realize that this isn't about my strength. This isn't about my ability. This isn't about my focus. But that as I focus on Him and I understand that His grace is sufficient that no matter what circumstance I'm going through, no matter what situation, no matter what trial, no matter what difficulty that I face, His grace is sufficient. He says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And he says in verse 10, Therefore I take pleasure in. The whole idea is that he finds thankfulness. He finds that which to be thankful for in the midst of it so that his joy isn't stolen by the circumstances. His joy isn't stolen by the pain. His joy isn't stolen by the distraction. His joy isn't stolen by others and their attitudes, but rather he finds joy and rejoicing in the Lord. But then what are the categories here that he he finds pleasure in? He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Well, the idea really is those physical thorns. And he said, I had a thorn in the flesh. And he said, as a result of, of God's graciousness, uh, his holiness, his deliverance, that I take pleasure in those physical thorns, moral weakness. You know, it's the things that people allow physically to stop them from faithful service. You know, it's amazing what doesn't stop us from doing the things that we enjoy doing. I said years ago after I got saved, and uh, I remember one time I I woke up in our house in Iowa, and and, uh, I woke up and I kind of, you know, I I had whatever whatever it was, I just had these these thoughts of, and I'd been saved a few weeks, and and, uh, I just wasn't feeling right when I woke up. Things didn't, you know, didn't differ. I was like, oh, maybe... Maybe I can't go to work. And, and it, just, it was just I, I, this thought entered my head that had never entered before. And it was, well, if you're going hunting and fishing today, would you get up and go? Yeah, I think I would. Okay, you can go to work. You know, what does it take to stop us from doing that which is right? The infirmities, the physical thorns. Do you power through in his strength to do that which is right? The physical infirmities, it's amazing what stops us from doing and glorifying and focusing on on his honor, focusing on on him being exalted. And it can be the smallest of things, but it doesn't stop us from doing other things, but it stops us from glorying in him. It stops us from being thankful for and in him. And Paul says, I glory in infirmities. If they come, I rejoice and thank God. Thank you, Lord, that you've never left me nor forsake me. Thank you, Lord, that, that this, isn't going, this isn't the end of all things. Thank you, Lord, that I can power through in your strength. How do we see? When we see and hear stories of folks that have lost limbs in war and other things, 
and power through and, and become uh, so active in so many areas, whether it's in, in, in the athletic realm, uh, whether it's in the working arena, uh, folks that power through and, and go through a whole lot more difficulties in just getting ready for work. Folks who go through more difficulty in just going out into the world, and yet they power through. They do not allow those physical infirmities to hinder them. But what about us and our thankfulness towards God? Paul says, I glory in infirmities. He says, uh, I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches. You know, this is when we identify with Jesus. Reproaches are the insults. Those insults that get hurled our way when people find out that we're a Christian. But you know what's really more difficult? The insults that come from Christians. The, the hurtful words that come from within the body. The attacks that Satan delivers uh, through other believers. I said, it's so amazing to me that uh, you know, the body of Christ is, quite frankly, a very small entity on this planet. The amount of genuine, born-again believers on this planet, I believe, is a very small group. There's lots of people who talk about being Christians. There's lots of people who talk about God. But genuine, born-again believers, I don't believe it's a, it's a very large group when you look at the, the billions of people on this planet. And yet in the midst of it, we make it smaller. In the midst of it, uh, we can become more attacking uh, towards other Christians uh, than we do the world. You know, I see it in politics. It's like the people that should be like-minded and, and moving ahead and doing something good, well, they attack each other and not the people that they're opposed to. And the same thing happens in the body. Reproaches, insults that come our way. You know, many today want to be accepted enough by the world so they don't reproach us. We'll do whatever is necessary so that I'm accepted, so that they're not insulting me, so that they're not hating me, so they're not difficult toward me. And then when we have those insults, we find it hard to be thankful. Thankful for our salvation thankful for God's goodness to us and when we have that thankful attitude and spirit and we understand that these things that come our way these distractions that come our way are intended to cause us to be unthankful are intended to cause us to to not focus on the Lord are intended to keep our focus off of doing his will purposefully powerfully and boldly he says I take pleasure in infirmities reproaches in necessities. You know, a necessity is something that I cannot avoid or escape. That's a necessity. I can't go over it. I can't go under it. I can't go around it. I can't go through it. It's something I have to face that I've never had to trust God for before. That's a necessity. I'm dealing with something. Have you ever had something come up in your life that you said, why me? Why now? Oh, why do I have to deal with this? Why do I have to face this? And, but it's a necessity that we have to go through. It can be physical, it can be injury, accident, sudden death, relationships, surprises, finances, jobs, whatever, sudden loss of work, and on and on and on. 
It can be having a baby born with uh, severe problems. It can be the loss of a, a child. It can be any kind of tragic necessity that we cannot stick our head in the sand and it's going to go away, but it's something that we have to face. And Paul says, I take pleasure in. Not in a, in a fun manner, but I take pleasure in that God is there in the midst of it. I take pleasure in knowing that, that whatever I'm facing, uh, that I'm thankful that God is there. I'm thankful and rejoicing that I can trust in Him in necessities. What is it that you're facing today that you've been trying to come up with any way to not deal with it? You've been trying to come up with some way to, to not have to focus on it. This is the day when we see folks that face necessities when they turn to all kinds of things to deaden it. Folks who turn to mind-altering things, drugs, alcohol, immorality, uh, losing themselves in video games, losing themselves in, in work or, or whatever it is. And then, but reality always comes back and it's like, oh, I just want to forget that. I don't want to deal with that. How many people have started conversations with, I don't want to deal with that right now. Well, when would you like to deal with that? I just don't want to deal with it right now. Well, when are you going to deal with it? I, not right now. Just, just give me some time. Well, how much time? And how many things in our lives that are necessities to be dealt with that we don't deal with, that we put off because we find no strength in the word because we think that we have to deal with everything on our own. And Paul says, I take pleasure in necessities. He says, I take pleasure in persecutions. You know, as Christians here in the United States, this is mostly unrecognizable what persecutions are. I was just reading an article about, uh, you know, missionary Derek Thomas, who's been with us a couple of times uh, over in the Ukraine heading up a, a Bible college, training those to do uh, the work of the ministry in the Ukraine and, and the surrounding uh, Eastern Bloc countries there. And, and they've been approached by folks in Laos and Thailand. Laos is a closed country, uh, very closed, very strong communist rule. But yet there are a group of people in Laos who are preaching the gospel and they're longing for training and they've hooked up with some people in Thailand. There's some similarities in their, in their uh, language and communication and they've reached out to Derek Thomas's to the, to the school over there uh, through another missionary to see about translating their materials and have them come on a regular basis and train them, but they have to do it in such privacy and secrecy for fear of the persecution that they face on a regular basis. And yet in the midst of that persecution, they're reaching out across the globe trying to get help from other Christians so that they can be strengthened, so that they can be sharpened, so that they can go back in with the gospel message even though they know every day they're in fear for their lives. Persecutions. The Apostle Paul uh, understood it far greater than many of us ever will. In fact, uh, go over to uh, chapter 11 there in 2 Corinthians. 
Look what he says here as, as he's talking about the suffering that he has received uh, for the Lord's glory. Look at uh, glory in verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 24. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Now, Jesus was scourged before he was crucified. Horrific, horrific beating. They were, they were forbidden to go beyond, so it was always 39. They were forbidden. Once 40 hit, they had their laws that they had to follow. But Paul went through it five times. He says, thrice, three times was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Stephen didn't survive his stoning. They thought Paul was dead at his stoning. And what did Paul do when he was stoned? He got back up there. He got back up and walked back in. Why? Because of the gospel's sake. Thrice, three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Now, how many of you can swim? Okay, a few. How many of you can at least tread water? Okay, all right. Um, how many of you, not a chance? Okay, all right. Now, now picture yourself in the sea trying to survive for an entire night and day. I have been in the deep. He has suffered. And he says in verse 26, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. He's saying through all of his journeys, he's faced opposition, he's faced uh, horrible things, in the midst of, of the nature, he's faced it by his own countrymen, he's faced it along the trails, he's faced it in robbery and thievery, a lot of things that aren't even recorded for us that he's told us what happened. He understands persecution. In verse 27, he says, In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. Paul understands persecution. And over here in chapter 12, he says, Therefore I take pleasure in persecutions. Why? Because God's grace is sufficient. Because God's holiness is sufficient. Because God's strength is sufficient. Paul knew he couldn't control those circumstances. Oh, he could if he ran away. But then he wasn't trusting in God. He was trusting in his own strength. Doing it his way, not God's way. And he took great comfort, he says, in those persecutions. He knew a night and day in the deep. You know, recently there was a news report of somebody out off the East Coast in the Atlantic whose boat had capsized, a, a grandfather, his daughter, and a, a young grandson, and a dad, that the boat had capsized, and the three uh, stayed out all night clinging to the boat while the dad swam five hours to get help and bring them back uh, that next day. 
and they all survive. What a horrible, horrible experience. He says, but he's thankful in persecutions and in distresses. This is the idea when you're pressed on all sides. This is that time when the walls are closing in. You know, everyone has problems, but we don't always have the answers. And that's when we turn to all those vices to try to mask the, the pain and the difficulty that I'm facing in these trials and testings and, and difficulties. And when I am weak, then am I strong, Paul says. He said, because when I try to handle those things in my own weakness and my own frailty, I fail miserably. You know, he told us in Romans chapter 7, he said, the, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me? And he goes on and declares God's goodness, holiness, righteousness. That in the midst of our own difficulties that we bring upon ourselves, God sustains us, God delivers us, God strengthens us, God helps us, God holds us close and dear. Because he's promised never to leave us nor forsake us. He's promised that there is nothing that we will ever, can ever, will ever go through that we cannot bear up in his strength. And so we can give thanks. We give thanks when, when we, we see that the life is going along smoothly. Ah, oh, thank you, Lord, for the blessing of, of, of my family. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of this new child and grandchild. Thank you, Lord, for a new house. Thank you, Lord, for a new car. Thank you, Lord, for the, the raise. Thank you, Lord, for that goodness. Thank you, Lord, that our health has been good. Thank you, Lord, that our, our, our health insurance worked out. Thank you, Lord, for this and for that. And then in the midst of it, tragedy strikes do we bow the knee and say thank you Lord for your help thank you Lord for your strength thank you Lord that I'm not going through this on my own thank you Lord for your goodness to me thank you for your help and your holiness and your goodness even in the midst of this trial one of the most well-known psalms yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil why because god the rod and the staff which guides and comforts and helps his word is a lamp and a light unto my feet and to my path guides and directs and gives me hope and help and encouragement along the way and I know that he will strengthen and help and encourage me. And then if you look at, in your hymnal, at number 493, you know, one of the, I, I, there's lots of hymns stories that I love, but... You know, sometimes, you know, folks say, oh, I want to, I want to, uh, they love a dramatic testimony of somebody's salvation, of what God delivered somebody from. We, we love those, those juicy ones. And, you know, we hear a testimony of, uh, we think that somebody got saved at the age of five 
is uh, uh, less dramatic than somebody who got saved at the age of 55 from a life of wickedness and debauchery. I say the one who got saved at the age of five is far more glorying than the one who got saved later because they don't have all the baggage and garbage that goes along with it. I rejoice even more. I rejoice when folks get saved. But I rejoice when a child gets saved and is delivered and focused and walking in the light from an early age. But then when it comes to hymn stories, we're kind of the same way. Even though there's, there's many hymn stories that have wonderful stories behind them. But this one, It Is Well, with Horatio Spafford. As he and his family were going to, uh, over across the sea, their, their tickets were bought. And then that great Chicago fire. Of course, we lived in northern Wisconsin. Uh, there was a fire in Wisconsin that was bigger, more expensive, and everything than the Chicago fire. Happened the exact same time, but nobody even knows about it because Chicago was a more metropolitan area uh, that was going on during that time. And Horatio had to stay home because their their holdings, their business, their building, the, the fire was impacting. And as his wife and daughters headed over and the ship went down, And he got that telegram from his wife, saved alone. What do you mean, saved alone? Uh, All of you were saved? Who who was saved alone? Well, it was from my wife. And he knew that his children perished. And as the story goes, that as he he got the next uh, boat going over, you know, gone, you know, Imagine living in the days when nothing happened quickly. When everything took time. And it took him uh, quite, a, quite a while before he'd even get another ship and to head over there. And the captain, it's uh, purported, that told him roughly this is the area where the ship went down, where your, your children perished. And it was then when he, he, didn't, he wasn't writing a hymn. He was writing words of encouragement, a poem during that time and here in 493 when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul have we not been taught that that's what the holy spirit teaches us but do we listen during times of trial and difficulty Because then look at the second stanza. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul in the midst of trial to write and pen those words. You know how that comes about? When our daily focus is on God's goodness. When our daily focus is on His grace is sufficient. When my focus is on that I am here to glorify God regardless of what I go through. And then it comes personal. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Horatio is encouraging himself 
in the reality of God. And he closes out with, with number four. And Lord, haste the day when the face shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound. The Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And that is the focus that the Apostle Paul had and exemplified and exonerates for us today. That when we're going into a time designated for thanksgiving, and again, every day should be a day of giving thanks, but as we're going into a time of thanksgiving, have we been fooling ourselves into thinking that I have reason to not be thankful? That I have reason to be bitter? I have reason to be angry? I have reason to be distracted? I have reason because after all, I'm going through this, this time, whatever it is, this situation, this circumstance that nobody knows or understands and nobody cares but there is one who cares, and that's Jesus. He's always cared. He always does care. He always will care. He told us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us and to stand up and to face against sin, to face against the messenger, the message of Satan, which is intended to beat us up, to beat us down, to take our focus away from him. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Are you living victoriously? Are you living thankfully? Um, when God answers, his grace is sufficient. When we ask why, when we ask for things to be done and to take away, are we thankful in the midst of the unthankful? That which our flesh tells us we have reason to not be thankful. When God tells us to be thankful in all things, in the midst of it all, under trial and testings and tribulations and struggles, and joy and blessing, to be thankful in the midst of it all. So I hope and pray that in these next days uh, that we will reflect, that we will ponder, uh, that we will find where what we truly are thankful for. And maybe there's something that we've taken our focus off of God. We've taken, we've lost the joy of the Lord because we've been focused on circumstances, trials and testings. We've been focused on uh, that which is overcome and we've submitted and surrendered to the beatdown in the messenger of Satan. Whatever the case is, will you cast your cares upon him? Will you give thanks unto God, the only one that is worthy to be thanked in the midst of all trials and all testings and all tribulations? Let's all stand to our feet with our heads bowed, eyes closed.